0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Top Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment.
1: In a conversation I was having with Steve Birmingham from Net54, who has done a great job of cataloging all the color variations, if you start going through and you actually look at the differences in why they would change it. There are so many black caps in the initial run. If you look at it side by side with the Bauman set, the colors are a lot more vibrant on the Bauman side. So putting on the product creation hat that I've done professionally, what would prompt you to physically add to the color plates, to add those lines, to get get it close off the cards from the background colors to the nameplates? What would prompt that, that you wouldn't then also go, all right, if we just strike the black out of the hats, now we're going to have more colorful hats.
0: Okay, so you're flipping my scenario. My narrative is they start out printing these cards, everything's going okay, and then (laughs) they run out of black ink at one of the facilities, and the print goes on for a while. You're flipping that to say, no, they started out with art that was poorly defined, needed some additional outlining, really, on the black plate. So you're not removing the black you're adding the
1: black late On the color, yes. On the color background, something that I love as an art buff, the negative space of things where you have a bleed that happens from the border of the card into the actual player's uniform, the colors are added there. And that's what defines those edges. That on the Jackie Robinson, if you look at just a standard run card, his right and left shoulders basically bleed off into the borders. On the later print cards, the yellow lines continue straight down. So that's in addition to those color plates. Now on that same card, if you look at the original run, he's got the details in the cap. In later runs, when you see those yellow lines running down the sides, the detail of the cap is removed. All the rest of the black on the card is still there because the nameplate's in black. So if there was a running low of ink, even though that's a solid, just basically wash of black in the nameplate, you would see a degradation of that ink color there. The intensity would be gone. But this is like a purposeful removal of those details in order to make that blue cap be blue, bright blue. That's the difference that happens pretty much across the board in trying to recreate that uncut sheet and basically take a standard print card and put it at the top and then go through and put in a late print card underneath it. Bobby Doerr is another great example. It's his rookie card. It's a blue background. If you look at a late print card, his hat detail is gone. His blue cap now bleeds into the background. So it was like across the board, the direction was given to basically take the details out of the caps in order to make the caps full color and not have the details in them.
0: To make it bluer.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just to make it more bright. If you look at the Stan Musial, you get the highlights of the red cap, but it's washed basically in black up on top from the shadows. But in later printings, they remove that. And you can actually see the distinct line which they remove it out. And his cap is now brilliant red with the details of the underside. Do you
0: think that was an improvement?
1: I actually do. Having dealt with art directors and having been a creative director throughout my professional degree, I think at some point someone looked at the quality of the cards and said, why are they so dark? Can we make these brighter? And I think they went through and struck the black caps like the Peterson that's already recognized and took that detail out in order to have brighter caps for the players and brighter looking cards.
0: With the registration being poor in many Mm -hmm. cases, that black outlining was perhaps problematic in some way. And they thought, if I remove that, I've got a little bit of a softer look. I've got less problem with the registration being a little bit off.
1: Yeah, I think there's several factors in it. In December, I was able to talk with my great uncle who just passed away, but he was a printer in 1948-49 in New York City. My great-great-grandfather actually owned a print house in lower Manhattan. He was running the presses then. We were able to sit down with him and show him the cards and say, what do you think? What's going on here? His comments were just gold. He goes, these are not the guys you would want to bring a Van Gogh to have them reproduce. And I pitched the thing that we seemed to be on the same page about, which was those produced in-house. He goes, oh, absolutely. He goes, it would be like taking the, the space shovel to the corner mechanic to have it fixed. He goes, these guys were just trying to crank through things as fast as possible. They didn't care about registration. They didn't care about things like that. He goes, but those plates do wear down over time. And so that's where he saw that potentially that after a first run or two of the plates that they may have had to change them. And in that change, that's when they made the additional changes to improve the cards.
0: Are you saying this was a sheet fed press yeah. so that it was run through four times for the four colors? Yep. That easily can explain some registration problems. Oh, a-
1: absolutely. And again, if you have someone who is functionally putting something through that is for packaging, Then, yes, exactly what you said. You hit the nail on the head earlier, basically saying that press check isn't there if it's somebody who's working a swing shift and just trying to crank things through. No, it's worse than that. You get in trouble if you slow the press down. Absolutely. And that's why they would run it to where you start losing ink colors. And that's why you get these weird variations of the blue DiMaggio because the yellow ink's gone. Or I've got a Gerald Purdy I just picked up that has no green background because the blue plate's gone. So it's like you get these things that happen because they're just pressing as much through that press as they possibly can. And when the ink's gone on everything, okay, then we'll shut it down. Then we'll reset everything. Then we'll run it again.
0: My friend John Ramirez has, I think, the most complete set of the Leaf baseball with all the color variations. I used to trade with him back in the day. And I never had anything that he didn't already have. I had a complete set plus a bunch of color variations. Is there anybody else out there that's exhaustive like that? Are you exhaustive like that?
1: I'm getting there. I think my wife's showing me to the door here pretty soon if I keep it up. It's a fascinating thing when you start digging in and you start running down the kind of rabbit holes on it. I'd say most people don't acknowledge it. Most people don't even know that it's out there because it's not one of those widely accepted things. It's like you almost have to have a sit down with people and explain it to them on how things are different. So I went to Strongsville this last spring, great show. And one of the dealers there, he just had stacks and stacks of leaf cards. And so I started talking with them about it and was able to take the Phil Rizzuto card. And I think they had eight of them and was able to basically set out all eight of the cards of the eight, six were first print, two were late print. And basically show them the difference of, okay, on Phil's card, if you look at it, his hat is black on early runs, and his sleeves are shadowed. On late runs, the sleeves go to blue, the hat goes to blue, and then there's a red line that connects the background to the plate. What you're saying about the color variations and the fact that they would basically run the prints until they were dry, you get problems with density of ink where you have these brilliant blues on some, and then you have these just faint, almost light Carolina blue on another because they're just letting the ink density go down. It's too exhaustive to capture all the ink variations, but it's like when you get into plate variations, that's the point of delineation for me where it's, okay, ink variations, the colors are all over the place, but when you get into those physical changes, that's when you can draw a line in the sand and say, okay, this is now a second printing that happened or a third printing because that's the point of the actual physical plate changes. And that's repeatable. I'm sure you know about the magenta ink too. And that I think happened at the very end. I think that's the latest of the runs because all these changes that I've talked about all carry those same changes in that pink run. So you can go through and you can find a a Rizzuto that has brilliant blue hat and sleeves with that kind of really magenta ink. So I think that places it at the end. Here's a sports card insight
0: about price guides. Who is damaged, or who is upset about either your research, my research, or anybody else's that it's not more widely known. And yeah. I think the answer is that by your scholarly work and others, when you're looking at the eight Phil Rizzutos, and there's no price guide to say, this one is the tougher variation. It could be subtle, but it's definitely less common than the other one. And to put them in price guides uh, it is very difficult. Like I said, PSA doesn't really want to change it up. I think my old company is not moving in that direction. It's very complicated. It's very subtle. So it's up to the Sharpies, the people that are yeah. doing the work. You'll know when you see the various colors of the musial. It's like I talk about when I look in a dollar box, I just see, oh, wait a minute, that's different. That's yep. not what I usually see. And so I thought for a dollar, I'll pick it out. I used to do the same thing with leaf cards back when I used to buy more expensive cards back before I did price guys, I was trying to complete all the color variations. And so I have three different musules that are very different. Yeah, And now they're great cards. I wouldn't want to buy them now because they're really <laughs> expensive, Yeah, but there's nothing out there. I don't see that says, Hey, you should pay more for this one. And again, what argues against it is that, wait a minute, that's just a printing flaw which is what they think maybe happened with the Hermansky, that there just was a flake or a covering, or maybe that was in the corner and it just didn't get the eye.
1: Yeah. The Hermansky is an interesting one because, again, from a graphic designer point of view, which is what I do with my 9 to 5, when you put it in the logic of why, there's no reason that they would have corrected that to drop the name and not shift it over. It's not centered. The kerning is off, everything like that. That lends itself to that idea that it was a printing flaw of an overloaded red that basically just bled in because from what I've seen, people have cards that the eye is partial. Yeah. They have ones that the eye is gone and part of the K is eaten. Yeah, sitting down in that lower corner, it could very well have carried too much ink and just saturated it right up where it just closed off that eye. So that, to me, falls in the category of printing flaw. And that one, in my mind, speaks basically the furthest to that kind of printing flaw type error, whereas the other ones are actual true variations. And you're right. When I first started doing this, I had eight different variations of a Joe DiMaggio. Just being able to go through just on different colors, different shades, different hues of the greens, and then the absence of a yellow, which makes the background blue; the absence of the blue, which makes the background yellow. I've got and then you a beige one. Yeah, I think the one I actually have is close to beige as well. Then you have the later print ones where his hat goes to a true blue and sleeves go to a true blue, and then you can find him with the pink. So it's almost like a gradation in the history of that printing run is flaws, plate change, and then a couple more flaws.
0: The moniker, buy the card, not the holder, or buy the holder, not the card. I care, you care, a few other people care, but 99 out of 100 people don't care if they get a DiMaggio or a Musial leaf card. They're looking at the number if it's a 7 that's a fabulous card. Right. They'd rather have the 7 of the more common one than a 6 of the one that is very difficult that you right. rarely see because 7 beats 6
1: for that it, kind of collector. That seems to be the way of things nowadays for sure. In my mind to come from the pragmatic logic of being that the petersons already recognized it's like you guys are already doing it so why not just take it a little bit further and it's similar in my mind to like t206s because you go through the t206s and up until recently nobody really cared about factories but now every sweet caporal is going to have a factory and it's also going to have a production run on the bed it's going to be on the label that said t207s don't You don't get the actual factories that T207s are made of. So I think that there's a correlation with the popularity of the set as well. When a set is popular like an iconic T206, people are going to go into the weeds on the rarity and the values of those cards. on every little detail that's going to basically change it up from another similar card. But this is going to be a smaller population run because it's out of factory 25 instead of 649 or whatever it is. But in the non-popular sets, I don't think the PSAs of the world are going to go through it and actually do the footwork on that and recognize that, okay, a red cycle back on a T207 is more rare than a recruit. And so I think LEAF is probably in that same category where, yeah, they acknowledge the existence of another printing, but to start recognizing it would mean basically stripping down and now having another variable that they would have to grade against.
0: Their POP reports and their registries, it can cause problems for them. I get that. Okay, whether or not this is a 48 issue... A 49 issue or a 48 49 issue.
1: Yeah, it's a 49. Kind of
0: on record justifying the price guide recognition as 48 49 in homage to historical, which I was part of that back a long time ago. It was thought to be 48. They may have submitted cards to the Library of Congress for their copyright application in 48. You can't just frivolously put a date on there. So there may have been some cards that were submitted in 48, but then you have to release it, obviously. And maybe they were slow in releasing it because of the threat of the lawsuit. Where do you stand on that? Are you going to take away any reference to 48?
1: I think you're absolutely right. There's a couple of interesting curveballs for those of us who've worked in the world of product creation and sales and the existence of salesman samples. I think it is a potential here. And I think that in the baseball world is in reference to the Hal Newhouser, Because there's a Hal Newhouser that lives out there that are very rare. In fact, I think the last one that came up was like 15 years ago. That came up at auction and sold for $80,000 back then. It's a totally different front image than what made the short print set later in the issue. But it carries a 1948 copyright. I think the Rocky Graziano in the boxing... I think is also a salesman sample, because it doesn't make sense that you would have a 50th card on a sheet of 49. And there's only, I think, six of those in the population out there.